0: Thank you for listening to the Coal Mind Podcast. This is David Cole from Dallas, Texas. This week, I look at the calendar for the upcoming 2020 presidential election. Six dates set by the Constitution and a series of federal laws take us from Election Day in early November to Inauguration Day in late January. I will look at each of these dates, consider the role that date plays in choosing a president in our electoral college system, and consider ways that those roles may be affected by the COVID-19 pandemic. The first of our six dates is Election Day, November 3rd, 2020. It was set by Congress in 1845. Why then? Samuel Morse sent the first telegraph message in May of 1844, and it soon became clear that his technology worked, was commercially viable, and if votes were not collected at the same time, the instant communication that the telegraph now allowed would mean that those voting in later elections would know the outcome of the earlier elections. As a result, those states' earlier elections could skew the entire process. So, Congress fixed one date, uh, the first Tuesday after the first Monday in November, and there it has been for the 160 years since that time. What exactly does Election Day mean? Is it the beginning or the end? It's the end of vote casting, but at the same time, it's the beginning of vote counting. Absentee ballots will still remain to be counted and so will the votes from remote areas or very large and complex urban areas and as those initial counts are finalized, mandatory recounts will be triggered under some state laws when results are close or one side or the other challenges and inevitably in some situations those recounts and challenges under the election laws will spill over into court for judicial review. This counting and recounting and litigating continues until the second big date on the presidential election calendar, December 8, 2020. It doesn't have a recognized name like Election Day, but for purposes of this podcast, I'll call it Safe Harbor Day. Congress enacted the Electoral Count Act in 1887 that established this day, and it says that if a state, and here I quote, has made its final determination of any controversy or contest concerning the appointment of all or any of the electors by a certain date, that is December 8th this year, then that determination is binding and Congress cannot later second-guess it when it goes to count and tally the electoral votes. How did this sort of peculiar-sounding statute come to pass? There was a very contested election in 1876, now faded into obscurity, between Rutherford Hayes and Samuel Tilden, but at the time extremely acrimonious and important because it would determine whether and how Reconstruction would end after the Civil War. Florida, Louisiana, and South Carolina simply could not decide who had won. South Carolina's records, for example, showed that 101 percent of its eligible voters had participated, commendable but impossible. Oregons were also in serious dispute. Congress stepped in, uh, created a bipartisan electoral commission to resolve issues about that particular election, which was really a front for a broader congressional compromise, but how Reconstruction was going to be handled. And several years after that crisis was resolved, this law, came to pass to try to head off another similar situation down the road. And we heard about that statute again recently in 2000 in the Bush versus Gore litigation in that extremely close election. There was a rush to get the Bush versus Gore opinion to the Supreme Court in time so it could be decided by the safe harbor date in December of 2000 because in the records of that litigation, Florida had shown its intent to meet that deadline. And the Supreme Court's opinion came out just in time to allow Florida's determination to be final and binding under this safe harbor. So their votes wanted to be counted as if they had been counted up in the more normal fashion election day or soon thereafter that. That brings us now to the third date, December 14th, 2020, also set by Congress, the date for the electors to meet in each state to formally cast their ballots. Most states do it winner-take-all, two exceptions being Maine and Nebraska, divided up by district within the state. And we know now, after the Supreme Court's opinion earlier this year in the Chiafalo case, that electors can be regulated by a fine as well as by the regulation of their political party to ensure that they vote consistently with the popular vote, that they are not what are called faithless electors, sometimes called Hamilton electors. We can be confident after a Chiafalo that if a state popular vote works a certain way The electors in that state uh, will vote consistently with that because they can be forced to do so under different mechanisms in state law. Fourth date, December 23rd, 2020, the deadline to deliver the ballots to the Senate. There's no particular consequence in the law for not making that deadline, but it is probably a relevant consideration if a state has missed the safe harbor date and there are going to be later proceedings in Congress. If at least a decision was made by this date, that would help this decide uh, arguing in favor of one count over another potentially going into January. And that is where we now are, the new year, January 6, 2021, formal counting of the electoral ballots. This is a largely ceremonial exercise, but there are many possibilities if there remain unresolved state disputes about qualification of and the counting of electoral votes. There's a statute that has never really been put to the test in the way some of these others have been over time, and it provides as follows, I quote, If the two houses of Congress shall disagree in respect of the counting of such votes, then, and in that case... The votes of the electors whose appointment shall have been certified by the executive of the state under the seal thereof shall be counted. Seems simple enough on its face. If the Senate and the House are unable to resolve a dispute that has come to them from a state's counting of its own electoral votes, you look for who has been certified by the executive. But there are always questions lurking beneath the surface of seemingly plain language. Who exactly is the executive? Is it the governor? Is it the Secretary of State? Is it some sort of commission that may have been established within the state? What exactly is the counting of the votes? Does it include the qualification of electors, the selection of a state potentially by the legislature as opposed to by a popular vote in the event of a log jam? And is this provision justiciable? If there is a dispute, could the Supreme Court of the United States get involved to overrule one house or another or resolve an ambiguity in the statute? Or is it simply a non-justiciable matter that the court would not get involved in? Those all are questions that we do not have clear answers to at this time. We do know, however, a procedural point. If at the end of that process there is no majority of electoral votes for one candidate or another, then the House of Representatives will select the president, Each state delegation casts a vote for one of the top three contenders of the popular vote. And similarly, the Senate selects the vice president. The House does not vote the way it ordinarily does. All members have an equal vote. Rather, it's by state. And that's important given the current makeup of the Congress where there is a Democratic majority in raw numbers, but the situation is different when you look at the individual states and whether there are Republican or Democratic majorities in those individual states. How exactly would this work? We have very little recent historical experience about this. There has been no election resolved under the present version of the Electoral College using this system since 1824, John Quincy Adams defeated Andrew Jackson. Twenty years before that, the election between uh, Thomas Jefferson and Aaron Burr went to the House, but the Electoral College functioned differently then. It's not really a historic analog, and the Tilden-Hayes election ended up being resolved in a different way by different congressional action. We simply don't have experience with the House making this kind of decision uh, since the 1820s, and that's a very long time in the evolution of the country. We're lucky to not have had that, um, and so that speaks well for our stability and, uh, and ability to conduct stable elections. But it does leave us without any clear analogs to guide us as we put together a procedure for handling that if we have to do so. And that brings us now to the final date, January 20th, 2021, which is Inauguration Day. That's a hard stop. The outgoing presidential term ends then. It is the unambiguous language of Clause 1 of the 20th Amendment, which says, The terms of the president and vice president shall end at noon on the 20th day of January. That raises the theoretical question of what happens if the terms are done, but we're still trying to figure out who the new president may be. There are some statutes that speak to that, and there's lots of potential complexities there that are probably largely theoretical. This has just been a high-level survey. Everything could go smoothly, or there could be a lot of problems. But there are two considerations this year that may make it worthwhile for all of us to spend a little time looking at this calendar and thinking about some of the potential complications in our area. The first is the pandemic uh, and how it may encourage mail-in votes and how that may result in a count on election night that isn't done and tends perhaps to move one way or another over time as those votes are counted. And second, the sophisticated hacking of our election machinery by overseas hostile countries. We saw some of this in 2016. We know it is happening again in 2020. And if there is confusion or problems with the technical, mechanical process of collecting votes, that in turn will breed disputes both about uh, results that may be scrambled by that kind of activity and questions of credibility that may arise in people that fear it has happened if it has not necessarily happened. Today on coal mine, we looked at the calendar for our upcoming presidential election. We examined six key dates starting on Election Day in November, running to Inauguration Day of 2021. We examined how those dates came to be established by the Constitution and various acts of Congress over the years. Hopefully, with this background and understanding, we will be better prepared for any challenges that arise during this election cycle because of the pandemic or any other reason that may come to pass in the complex machinery of gathering and counting the millions and millions of votes that go into our presidential selection process. You can subscribe to this podcast on Apple, Spotify, and now Amazon, as well as the other main podcast directories. I appreciate you listening and look forward to sharing with you again soon.